Well, if you weren't awake already, that will do it. Um, we're so glad that you guys are here today and so glad that you're here to worship with us. Uh, I just want to say real quick, welcome to Northridge. Um, for those of you that are part of Northridge, I just, I'm so excited to see you. And for those of you who are near, new for the first time, I know several of you are new for the first time. We just want to say welcome to you guys. Um, so glad to have you. So glad to have you here. Uh, we genuinely, truly pray and hope that when you are here, that you feel right at home right away. Uh, because we believe that God gave us people to be in relationship together so that we can do this thing called life together, and that's what we really focus on very, very much here at Northridge. Um, before we get really into the meat of this, uh, I just want to put another spot and kind of tag off of what Kara said. Um, if you've never been baptized, or if you've considered that, or you thought about that, and you're just worried about it, maybe you just haven't taken that step in your faith, maybe you're like many people here at Northridge, you've just accepted Christ in the last year or two. Now, we've had a lot of people do that, and so if that's you, then baptism is simply a way to express your faith in Christ. It's, it's a public expression of that. So if you've never done that, just highly encourage you to do that. We've got several people already that are going to be baptized on the 13th. My daughter is really seriously considering this, uh, Hannah. And so there's going to be a lot of people that are going to get baptized. But just, just think about it, pray about it. See if it's something that you want to do. And if you're just curious, if you're, just, you're not sure, but you want to talk to somebody about it, Go ahead and let me know that you just say, I just have questions. I don't know if I want to get baptized. Just let us know. You can put on your Connect card, whatever you want. Or talk to me after service. That's fine. Uh, it, it's not something where if you bring up the word baptism that we're like, okay, we're dunking you. You're done. You know? uh, so you can ask questions ahead of time without, without throwing yourselves in and committing. Um, today, we are beginning a brand new series. Today, we start a series called Thrive. It's a four-week series, so we're going to do this for four weeks, and then we'll kind of get us into the September and into that whole two-service thing that everybody's like, woo, how's that going to work, and all the craziness that's going to go on there. Please fill out the survey, by the way, uh, quick spot there. Um, but today we start this new series, and this series is called Thrive, because what we're going to do is we're going to focus on what does it mean to thrive in our life, but specifically in this series... We're going to focus on a very specific aspect of our lives which helps us to thrive. In fact, it's one of the biggest barriers to people being able to thrive in their life. And it's a little world called relationships. Relationships. For the next four weeks, we are going to dive in and we're going to talk about relationships with people. Because I don't know about you, but if you think about any of the problems that you have at your job, any of the problems that you have in your family, any of the problems that you might have with friends, any of the problems that you have at soccer games, any of the problems that you have in any, literally anywhere, what do they usually stem from? Other people, right? How many of you have ever heard, I would love this job if it weren't for the people, right? <laughs> I would love my life if it, I didn't have to deal with people, right? Why is that? Because relationships are so difficult. They're hard to, to kind of work through and to, and, and to deal with. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to just dive into this. And we're going to talk about relationships and how we can thrive in our life because we thrive in relationship with other people. Before we get too deep, I want to just tell you a quick story. 
Uh, this was not that long ago. There was a man who decided to go down into the metro station in Washington, D.C. and play his violin. Have you seen these guys, right? You just kind of walk through. It's a busy place, and they're just they're doing their, their thing, their instrument. Well, he went down there, and he was playing the violin, and he played for about 45 minutes. It was a cold January morning. Metro, it was rush hour in Washington, D.C., so there were literally thousands, probably tens of thousands of people that were just walking through this area where he was playing the violin. He played for about 45 minutes. He played six pieces from the composer, Johann Sebastian Bach. Okay, so not easy stuff, but he was playing this stuff. And what he notices, he keeps playing, and what everybody would have noticed is, if you would have looked at him, everybody was in such a hurry, they just passed him by. They didn't even give him a second thought. They just ran right by him. They just kept walking. They were on their busy thing. A man, he actually thought about stopping but kept going. A woman, she didn't even see him. She almost brushed right through him. And she threw her money in the till and got her ticket and went on to the whatever the metro that she was going on. And and the only, the first person in the whole 45 minutes, and it was a few minutes in, the first person to stop was a three-year-old boy. He was the first person to stop. Three-year-old boy stands there and just watches him and listens, just soaking it up. And then, and then finally, you know why he moved on? Because his mom said, come on, we've got to go, you know, and pushes him on. And in that 45 minutes, the only people who ever stopped were children, like in that three to seven range. And so he keeps playing, he plays, he finishes up after 45 minutes of playing this violin for 45 minutes, really difficult pieces. He stops, nobody even notices, nobody applauds, nobody notices he was even there. He just puts his violin away and he walks off and Nobody even recognizes him. Well, what was interesting is that this guy who was playing the violin, his name is Joshua Bell. Joshua Bell is like, if you would take any violinist in the world, he is one of the top ones on our planet right now. Uh, It doesn't get better than this guy. And he was playing on a violin that is estimated to be worth about three and a half million dollars. Yeah. He had that down in the metro, and he's playing. And the pieces that he was playing are pieces that very few musicians can even play, let alone play well. And, and people were just... What was really going on was the newspaper, the Washington Post, was actually doing a social experiment. They put him down there to see what would happen. In fact, it's very interesting, but Joshua Bell, he, just a two nights before this, he was in Boston, and he had played for a packed theater. He had sold out the place, thousands of people... And the average cost of a ticket was about $100. And so then they put him down in this metro, and everybody just keeps going by. They don't even notice him. Why? This is why. Because their perception was, oh, that's just a street musician. We don't need to give him any time. That was the perception. The reason I tell that story is because this is the biggest problem, I think, with relationships. One of the hardest things about relationships is our own perception of our relationships, isn't it? How we perceive people in our lives, how we view them. If somebody would have said, that's Joshua Bell. Now, for me, I would have been like, okay. (laughs) It's not a classical kind of guy. But, you know, I like classical music, but I don't know it that well, you know. But if you would have told me, you know, I would have been like, oh, okay, well, then let's stand here for a while, right? Uh, in fact, I think it was a, there was a late night show host that did this with U2 the other day. 
Um, they had you two go down and they kind of dressed up and, and kind of did a whole incognito thing and they started playing. Well, eventually somebody figured it out. They're like, oh, that's... And they started whispering to another person and then they started getting their phones out and then they started recording, right? And then they started taking... While they were playing, they started taking selfies with them, you know, all this stuff. Because they're like, whoa, this is somebody. But originally the perception was this is just a street band. Nobody really worth listening to. And this is the problem with our relationships. Our perception trips us up, doesn't it? So today we're going to talk about perception. We're going to talk about our view of people and how that sometimes messes us up in the way that God wants us to view people instead of the way that we maybe sometimes view people. And as you might imagine, the Bible has something to say about this, right? The Bible always has something to say about these things. And uh, the one that the really Bible, the Bible talks about, and you guys have all heard of this. How many of you have heard of the golden rule? Anybody heard of the golden rule? A lot of people have heard of the golden rule. A lot of people don't realize that Jesus is the one that said it. Hey, Jesus is the one that gave us the golden rule. And, and so what I want to do is I want to read it, and then we're going to unpack it just for a minute. So it's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. This is what Jesus says. He's preaching to a whole bunch of people's most famous sermon. This is what he says. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Golden rule. Treat others how you want to be treated. Right? We all kind of have heard that. We get that from from what this is saying. We, we tell this. Here's, here's, I think, one of the tendencies. To, you guys kind of think about, see if this is true for you guys. But what I think is, typically what we think of the golden rule is we think of the golden rule as action, something that we do to somebody or do toward somebody, and that we should, whatever that is, that it should be the same way that we would want people to treat us, right? That's how we think. We think of it as an action, as a behavior, right? Something that we actually do towards somebody or to somebody. And then the second thing, the second reality I think that we apply with the golden rule is this. I think that we like to apply it to children all the time, right? I know I do this. This is the mode I'm in. I've got an eight and a, and a, and a five, almost six, and now a two-year-old as of today. Actually, today's Tanner's birthday. Okay? I know, I know. So cute. It's like it's the oohs and ahs, okay? I, just, I was just realizing it as I was saying it. So... <laughs> So he turned two today. We, we celebrated his birthday yesterday. So, so that's the mode I'm in. And so it's, it's, the golden rule is, don't take that from him. You wouldn't want them to take it from you, would you? Right? That's what we do. Or be kind to them. Make sure you say hello. We're working on our kids actually engaging and saying hello, looking people in the eye. Do that because you would want people to acknowledge you. Don't you like it when people listen to you when you have a story or want to talk to them? Yeah, golden rule. We bring it up. So we like to apply this to kids, and we like to apply this to action. Here's the problem. We never apply it to adults, or rarely. How many of you have reminded an adult about the golden rule recently? And if you did, how did that go? That's why we haven't done it. Because right away, they, they look at you like, am I a toddler? Right? Because we, as adults, our perception is, we have arrived, we've gone beyond the golden rule thing. And God says, no, you haven't. The golden rule applies just as important, if not more, now that you're an adult. But then the second thing I think that Jesus really intended under this, yes, actions are huge, but there's another part. Isn't it true that when we say, do to others what you want them to do for you or towards you, 
doesn't that also include what we have playing in our minds toward other people? Let me ask you this. Would you prefer to have people play in their minds about you when they think of your name or your face? Do you want them to play all the negativity and all the things and all the faults you have? Or would you like them to play through the good things about you? I think we all know where we go with that, right? So isn't, doesn't it make sense that the golden rule applies to our perception toward others as well, that we should try to perceive others the way that we want others to perceive us? Even though it's not overt, we don't maybe not say it out loud in words. And so this perception thing is a big deal. But then there's another part to this golden rule. Did you know that in that same verse, verse 12, there's another part that we usually delete? We have the golden rule, do to others what you want them to do to you. But then there's another thing that Jesus says that makes this, it doesn't really change the golden rule. It just adds to the significance of it. This is what I, I want to read uh, verse 12 again with the deleted part in there now. Okay, let's read it. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Golden rule. This is what? This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. In the NIV, if you look at a different version of this, the New International Version of this, it's just a different translation, it would say this is this sums up all of the law and the prophets. This sums up the whole Bible, in other words. If you look at the King James Version, they don't mince any words there because it was written in 1066 or whatever it was in the 11th century. And they say this golden rule is the law and the prophets. Slightly different translation, but all saying the same thing. What is it saying? It's saying that the golden rule really is a summary. It's the essence of the will of God for you and I in our lives. I don't know about you, but we should stop applying this just to children. We really need to take this on in our own lives because this is really the essence of who God is and what he wants for us. So what I want to do is I want to do a little bit different than what we normally do. Normally, we'd sit here and we'd unpack the scripture for a long time. But what I want to do is I want to just talk about two things. I want to keep it really simple. I want to give you a couple of things, just two things that you can tackle and that you can really grab a hold of that I believe this week even will begin to bring value, more value to your relationships and really will help you begin to thrive. Now, understand, this is going to be a process, right? Tomorrow, your relationships are not going to like, boom. Oh, it's like halos all the time now. And everybody I know. You know, it's not going to do that. It's not going to be the quick fix. But if these two things that we talk about today, these have the potential to change your relationships for long-term future. And so I want to talk about them. They're very simple things. They're not going to be mind, it's not going to be like mind-blown kind of things. But th this is going to be really important stuff. The first one, invest time. If we are going to thrive in our relationships, we must invest time into people, into our relationships. Now, this is especially true for family and for like our close friends and, and those that we have to work closely with on a daily basis in our job. This is especially critical for that, but it also goes to all relationships. We need to invest time. The only way to truly get to know somebody is to spend time with them, isn't it? I don't know about you, but anybody I haven't ever spent time with, I don't know them. I don't know them at all. That includes God, by the way. If we, got, if we want to know God, we've got to spend time with him. But time is really important. How many of you would say, my time's not important? 
I, I've got lots of it, and I, I'm, I'm just good. Time is of the, uh, it's, it's no problem. So yeah, what do you need me to do? Uh, I've got 70 hours this week, you know, let's do this. Anybody in here like that? Probably not. Because our time is valuable, isn't it? I know how my time is. It's so valuable. So when we invest time, not only do we help to get to know the other person and their perception of us, but we learn, they learn our perception of them and we can tweak it so that it's right, so that it's reality. But even more than that, be honest, when somebody spends time with you, just spends time, even an hour or two, what does that communicate to you? Communicates value, doesn't it? Incredible value. Because you know their time is valuable. And so we need to invest time. And to illustrate this, I want to just tell a quick story. I was at a conference recently and there was a, there was a woman speaking and she is a mother. And she was sharing how she kind of ha- had this new revelation. And it came out of something, a commitment that she made. And she, she said she woke up, when, I don't know if she woke up and made this commitment that morning or if it was like night, the night before she decided to do this. But she said, for this entire morning... I am not going to hurry my toddler son along at all. I'm not going to dictate to him timing at all for the whole morning. I don't know if she's crazy, but that's what she said. That was her commitment to herself. She didn't tell her son that, but she said, my commitment to him today is I am not going to rush him at all this morning. Well, things were growing really good for the first five, ten minutes or so of the day. But then they had to leave and they had to go meet the family for breakfast, right? And so everything was good. They got the clothes on. They got in the vehicle. Things were going well. She was like, okay, we're moving a little slow, but we're okay. You know, she's trying to calm herself down, you know. And, and they finally get to the restaurant. They're, they're going to meet the rest of the family, her husband and the other kids at a restaurant. And they get to this restaurant. And then that, this is where things kind of got a little bit iffy and kind of fall apart. Because they got out of, the ve- out of the vehicle. And on the way into this restaurant, I don't know where they were but in this restaurant there was a there's a pool with the koi fish have you seen the koi fish the really decorative goldfish type looking things so the koi fish were in there and, and there's this pool and then there's this bridge that crosses over that that water uh to the restaurant well of course they're crossing over the bridge and her son notices the fish this is what a toddler does and so he stops and he looks over the rail and he stands there and he's just mesmerized by these fish I mean, he's, his face, you know, he doesn't know anything else that's going on. Nothing. There's nothing else exists. And he's staring at these fish, and he's just mesmerized by them. And, and for the first, you know, minute or so, she's okay. But then after two or three minutes, her stomach starts rumbling. And she's like, we're late to see the family. And, you know, she can see it welling up. She just, all she wants to do is just grab his hand and be like, okay, son, we need to go in and eat breakfast now. But she remembers her commitment, and so she decides... Okay, you know what? I just need to do what he's doing. I just need to do this. And so she, she goes up and she stands at the rail and she looks down at the fish and she starts to kind of notice some things. She's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, wow, that one's really big. And, you know, she kind of notices things. So things were going well, and, but then she kind of starts to get that, oh, we need to move on, you know, we need to get to breakfast. Well, then it was at that point that her son decided he had not had enough. And so he lays down gets on his stomach and lays flat out and looks down at the fish, sticking his head over and sticking his hand in to touch the fish. He starts petting the koi fish, right? And they're used to people, so they're just like, ooh, look, it's like he's petting us. You know, and so he's loving it, like touching fish. This is awesome. And she's starting to go, oh, 
oh, this commitment is crazy. But she, rem- she realized, I need to hold true to my commitment. And so she did what she never probably would have done before. She says, I need to be with my son. And so she laid down and she gets on her stomach. They're in the middle of the bridge, you know, for people walking into the restaurant. She lays down and she's, you know, eye level with him. And they're looking at the fish. And then it hits her. This is when the realization comes true. She realizes she starts seeing the patterns on the fish and she starts seeing the smile and the joy, the sparkle in his eyes. And she realizes my son has never seen fish like this and he is in awe and wonderment and he's soaking up the joy that he's gaining from this. And she realizes I lost that. That's gone. I just want breakfast. And what she realized is I need to have the perception like my son has if I'm really going to invest in him and our relationship as mother and son. Huge perception. But here's my point with that, okay? That's a great story. You can mark that one down and be like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I've got a lot of moms in here. You're like, tomorrow morning, I'm doing that. Some of you are like, no way. Because you have toddlers and you know. But, but I mean, this is, this is one of those great stories. But here's the deal. Why is that story important? How did that story even happen? You know how it happened? She committed to investing some time, even though it was really hard. Here's what I, I truly think. And I think that you guys probably can agree with this. I think that the greatest problem, at least one of the greatest problems in our relationships is the lack of time that we devote to them. I think that this mom realized that she'd just been running with her son. She hasn't really invested in his relationship with them. And she realized it. I think she felt guilty about it. And she found incredible joy from that morning being able to invest time in a way that made sense to her son. So if we're going to have really strong, healthy relationships, one of the things that we need to do is we need to invest the time required to do that. In our families, where we work, school, everywhere. But especially those closest to us. All right, second principle. Second principle is put on their shoes. (laughs) Have you ever heard the phrase, walk a mile in their shoes, right? Walk a mile in their shoes. So this is, what this is saying is, not only do we need to invest time, although, and that's closely linked with this. So not only do we need to invest time, but we need to do our best to try to understand where they are coming from. Where is their viewpoint? Where is their perception coming from? Because I don't know about you, but when you get into somebody else's shoes, you go, man, your shoes are tough. Have you ever done that? Have you ever gotten into a situation where you did something for somebody and you realized, okay, I have a lot more respect for that person now because I had no idea. This is the principle that we're talking about. And what is, why is this so important? Because I don't know if you've noticed, if you look around the room, we're all different. Did you notice that? We're all different. We're all people. God made us all in similar ways, but we're all different. All right, we have men and women, and we have different generations, and we have different ways of thinking. We have different personalities. We have different skills and abilities. We have different things. I mean, just just from the fact of I could say, you know, today we're going to have a math class. All right, we're going to we're not we're going to cancel church. We're just going to learn math today. Some of you be like, yeah, and some of you are like me and you'd say worst day ever. Right, because we're different. 
We think about things differently. We love different things, and that's okay. God created us that way. But one of the things is that we need to really work on in our relationships is not only investing time, but investing in time in order to see things from their perspective. Get in their shoes. I want to have some fun here this morning with this. I've, I've mentioned a couple of these dynamics before, so you've probably heard bits and pieces of this, but I want to give the full deal today. Uh, there's a difference between a man's brain and a woman's brain. Did you guys know that? There's a difference there. Now, now I have to, I have to give a couple caveats. One, uh, I heard this first, actually, from a guy named Mark Gunger. Anybody ever heard Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage? Everybody heard of that series? Okay, so a lot of you... A couple of you are smiling. Most of you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's fine. That's good. Uh, you get to hear it today. Uh, Mark Gunger talks about this dynamic, the difference between a man's brain and a woman's brain. And this, this is fun stuff, let me tell you. It, it's funny. I love that. I mean, it makes me laugh. But, but it's also incredibly practical. Like, like this, you can take this to the bank. All right? Now, another caveat real quick before I share this. This is generally about men and generally about women. Understand that not all men fit into this brain category, okay? And not all women fit into this particular brain category. But in general, and most of you are going to get what I do when I say these things. You're going to like, yep. It's generally most, but not all, okay? So don't take this absolute. All right, the man's brain. Let's take a look at the man's brain first. The man's brain. What, what's true about a man's brain? A man's brain is a little bit like a warehouse, Okay, a man's brain is a little bit like a warehouse. And in the man's brain, we have boxes. You didn't know this, did you? We have boxes. Okay, we have a box for everything. A man has a box for the car. A man has the box for the family, for the kids. A man has a job box, you know, a box for his job. A man has the yard box, you know. And so what happens with a man's brain is when we do something, then we access that box. That's all we need to. We don't need to have any other boxes. We access that box. So if I'm mowing the lawn, I access the mowing the lawn box. And that's what I do, right? Now, there's an unwritten rule that a lot of people don't realize about a man's brain. A man's brain, when we do that, we need to make sure that that one box, whatever we're doing at that moment, it doesn't touch any of the other boxes. Oh, forbid that. I mean, the world will fall apart if it does. So we access that box and whatever, for however long we need to. And then when we're done with that box in our brain, we're done with that task. We take that box and we very carefully slide that box back in. Careful not to let it hit any other boxes. And our hands are off and we're done with that box. Okay? Now there's another rule in a man's brain that people may or may not know about because a lot of people don't know this box exists. It is a man's favorite box. Did you know what a man's favorite box is? It's called the nothing box. <laughs> true, true. It's called the nothing box. And when a man accesses this box, you know why he accesses it? It's because he wants to do, think, feel Nothing. Seriously, this is why when you walk into the room and you see him before the TV, that it looks like he has left us. This is how I'm going to look in about three hours this afternoon. <laughs> the, 
They've actually done studies on this. I'm serious. Mark Gunger talks about this. They've done studies on this. They have measured the activity in a man's brain. And a, brand, a, a man, most people cannot do this. Men can do this. They can actually go virtually brain dead, <laughs> seriously, and still be breathing and surviving just fine, but be virtually like, you know. And they're just sitting there. I'm serious. They've, they've studied this. They're like, what in the world? They should not be alive. But they can just, there it is. A man's brain is like that. I can attest to this. Trust me. Because it takes, sometimes, Laura, you can attest. She'll call my name. It's three, four, five times in before I even know that the world exists again. And it's because, why? It's because I have to put the nothing box back up and access the wife box. Yes, dear. why it takes so long. This is the deal. We all know this is true, right? Hello, we've all seen this, okay? So these are, these are a couple of things. Now, this, this, is, this is key stuff. Now, a woman's brain, a woman's brain is totally different. No boxes. A woman's brain is typically made of a mass or a ball of wire, okay? And everything is buzzing constantly and everything is connected to everything. Totally separate from the boxes thing. So the car is connected to the house and the house is connected to the husband. Husband's connected to the money and the money's connected to the kids and the kids are connected back to the car because we had a dent in it and we can't do this with the car because we did this at the soccer game and, and it's... Right? I sometimes get tired looking at my wife. Because I can see on her face. And I'm like, I'm in my nothing box. Oh, stay there. Don't come out. I need to, I need to go somewhere. I don't know. Find where my nothing box is safe. Right? A, man, a woman's brain just buzzes and they're constantly connected to everything. This is honestly why, in general, again, not absolute, but in general, women tend to remember almost everything, like moments in time. I know when we were, my dad and I were talking about something on the way to, we were traveling somewhere, and we couldn't remember half the stuff we were talking about. We we're like, ah, oh, well, you know what we said? We'll have to ask Laura and Rini. You know, I mean, ask my mom, ask, I'm serious because we're like, they'll remember, you know why that is? Because all of this stuff that's connected to everything is all driven by a little word that we call emotion, right? It's driven by emotion. And when something is attached to emotion, it gets burned into the brain permanently, right? It's there, it's solid. And it's also connected to hundreds of other things. A man, we have to go find the box when that happened. That was like 15 years ago. That's way back there somewhere. I haven't seen that in a long time, right? So why is this important? Why is this important? It's important because we're all different, aren't we? That's the truth. We're all different. And this is one of a hundred examples. We could talk about personalities. We could talk about generations. We could talk about just the different way, the different... Hey, just because we live in Wisconsin, we think about things differently, don't we? All of these things lends itself to differences in the way that we see things and the way that we perceive things. So here's the key with this. In relationship, that gives bearing us to everything we do. For example, that illustration that we just used, a man and a woman. Think about this. One of the most stressful parts of a relationship, you know what it is? Stress. 
Seriously, the most stressful part of a relationship are stress points. In other words, when, get, you know this, if you've ever walked into the house, have you ever felt it? Have you ever walked into the house and you go, oh man. I don't know, maybe you guys haven't done that, but I've walked in and I'm going, oh boy, nothing box away, family box fully in play, and here we go, you know, right? I mean, you just feel that. Stress in a relationship is hard. So, so the difference is, the problem is that men deal with stress differently than women. And again, generally speaking. Man, what is it, how does a man deal? The man deals with stress the best way he can. How does he do that? He says, nothing box now. <sighs> nothing. Uh, remote, done. Stress, <laughs> gone. Because I'm in the nothing box. Women, you tend to deal with stress differently. Laura, she tends to do this the same way. How do we generally, how do you usually deal with stress if you're, if you're a woman? Most of the time, you talk about it, right? You talk about it. You need to find my friends. I need to say, this is what happened. This is how it happened. This is why it happened. This person did this. and Right? You talk about it and you release it. You release that stress. It's like, oh, I feel better because everybody knows now. <sighs> You know what stresses a man out? Everybody knows now. <laughs> True. We don't want people to know that we're stressed. We just want to go to our nothing box. So you, can you see the conundrum when you're in relationship? And, and, and the woman wants to deal with the stress by talking and the man says, no, nothing. Right? The whole importance of getting into somebody else's shoes is because we really need to know how to relate to them and how to care for them and how to love them. And the only way we're going to do that is to understand where they're coming from. Isn't it? We need to know what they're seeing because then we can then meet them in the middle somewhere. And that is how relationship works the best is when you can come together in the middle. And this is what God is talking about, really, with the golden rule. There are these different dynamics. Galatians 5.14. This is just another way of saying the golden rule. This is what it says. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, neighbor is, is kind of a bad word for us in our context what this should say is love the other person as yourself. Because this neighbor applies to everyone. In fact, Jesus talks about this in a different part. And uh, this is actually tackled in the Bible several places. Your neighbor means everybody. All other people that you come into contact with. Love other people as much as you love yourself. Isn't that just a, a different way of saying the golden rule? Treat other people like you want to be treated. Love other people as much as you love yourself. And so it says this. This is the sum up. Now, to wrap up today, I wanna, I'm going to show you a video in just a minute, but I want to set it up first. This video uh, is going to show you a different uh, a way of thinking. What they've discovered is that there's fast thinking and there's slow thinking. System one thinking and system two thinking. What we've discovered is when I show you a picture, you, I show you something, right away your mind immediately comes up with an answer to whatever that is. Okay? It's a quick system thing. This is why when you look at something and you think you see something and you look away and you're like, wait a minute, did I see that? And you look and it totally wasn't. 
That was fast thinking. It was taking the information that you had, which was not much, and throwing an answer to your brain. That's called system one thinking or fast thinking. This video that I'm going to show you in just a minute is illustrating slow thinking. It's the thinking that we do when we, when we kind of zone in on something or work on something with our brain with slow thinking. And what I want you to do is this video is going to have you do something. Okay? You're, don't worry. You're not going to have to get up and do aerobics or anything like that. It's going to have you do something. You're just going to sit there, and it's going to have you do a mental uh, exercise. Okay? So when this video comes on, it's going to come on quick because I just spliced it right in. And the guy talks really fast, so just follow along, do what he says, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Want to see your system two in action? I'll show you a string of four digits. You read them aloud, then add one to each of the original digits. If the card reads 3795, the correct response would be 4806. We'll then go to the next card, and you'll do the same, followed by the next card. Ready? Go. Few people can cope with more than four digits, but even harder is add three. The interesting bit is that though your pupils would have dilated, you often become effectively blind when you fully engage system two. Did you notice the color of the text change? Or how about the fact that the numbers completely changed when I put them off to the side? <laughs> A couple of you caught it, but I, uh, my guess is maybe you gave up on the math. Um, but when you're focused on that, <laughs> true, <laughs> um, uh, the truth is, when you were doing those mental things, what was your perception focused on? Your perception was focused on the numbers you were trying to work through in your head because of the focus that you had, because of the perception. He focused you in on this, and as a result, and I did this too. I totally missed everything that he said. And, and, and the numbers over on the side, he changed all of those when he flipped uh, the, the pads over. And then he changed the font color and the font style. And then he changed the color of this over here. I didn't notice any of that stuff. And the point is this. In our relationships, if we don't work at spending time, investing time with people, and trying to see from their point of view, what happens is that we get skewed with our own perception. And we miss a lot of truth and reality that God brings, wants to bring into that because we're so focused on our own reality through our own filter. But then there's a really dangerous part to this, and that video illustrates it. What I think is the most dangerous thing, and by the way, when I say this, well, I won't say that yet. When we do this, when we use only our perception to view people, our only our filter, what effectively happens, like this video showed, is we become blind to the truths about ourselves and the truth about other people. And that could be good or bad, right? We could miss the good stuff in our life, and we could miss the good stuff in others' lives. We could also miss the blind spots, the bad spots in our lives, and the bad spots in others' lives. This is how we get into relationships that we're not sure about. This is how we this is how we kind of we stay away from relationships that we maybe should foster a little bit more that we should engage a little bit more because these blind spots are there and we don't see it. Now, here's the truth. <clears throat> when I said that, some of you thought of people that are like that. But the key is the problem is that we never think that we have that problem. We think that we're fine. If that guy never told us that any of those things changed, 
we'd never know that they changed, would we? Sometimes our perception needs to change so that we can see things clearly as God has placed them in front of us. So the question is, are you willing to thrive in life? And if so, if you really want to do that, one of the best ways to do that is to thrive in your relationships. But it's going to require you to invest serious time into those people that you know you need to. And to really try to get in their shoes and see them truly for how they perceive things, but even more how God sees them. As a person who is created with incredible value so that you can treat them and think of them that way. I leave you with Matthew seven twelve one more time. Just let this marinate on you for the rest of this day and this week. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for I thank you for creating us the way that you did. And God, we had a lot of fun laughing about how how men's brains and women's brains work today. But God, we know that we need to acknowledge the fact that that we are all different. And that Lord, sometimes we have blind spots in our life. And it affects how we think about people, how we talk to people, how we talk about people. And Lord, I know that the golden rule was set up for all of us. And and instead of just applying it to actions, and instead of just applying it to children, we need to really take it on in our life. And we need to realize that in order to perceive others in the way that you want us to perceive them, the way that you perceive other people, we need to invest time and we need to try to get in their shoes and really get into the need-based part of the relationship. What do they really need? What do they really desire? So that we can meet that need, so that we can really develop and grow those relationships in the way that you want us to do that. God, may you help us see that, see it clearly. Help take those blind spots away. Help us to make the commitment to the time and the effort that is required to grow in our relationships, not to just let them stay stagnant or do what they are currently, but to continue to grow in them. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to thrive in our life and in our relationships in general. We pray this in in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.